Good morning. Good morning. Do you want to move closer? Or are you are you happy to stay out there in the in the upper stands of the stadium? <laughs> Uh, Jeff, um, Daniel reckons you're deaf, so can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Good, actually. Okay, we'll, we'll be speaking this morning from um, Acts chapter 8, verses one, uh, 4 through... To 25. So if you want to open your Bibles or your devices to that and we'll read through it together just to start. Oh, actually we'll be reading from, from 8 verse 1 just to help put the passage in context. Can you all hear me alright? Okay, so Acts chapter 8 verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles, the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged out both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there, the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw the signs he performed and they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now for now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of hands on the apostles, he offered them money and said, Give me also the ability so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with, with money. You, 
you will have no part to play, play in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this weakness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for, for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. May God open the scriptures this morning to us all and encourage us. I just want to open in a word of prayer. Lord, I just um, thank you for your word. I thank you for the many messages that are that are in, in your word, for how it does speak into our lives right here and now. And I pray that you open our hearts and minds to your leading here this morning. I pray you give me clarity as I as I share you and accuracy as I share your message here this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. I've given a title to what I want to share this morning, and that's hard times. Hard times. I mean, you see here in the scriptures that um, the new believers weren't having it all that easy. Stephen had just been murdered, had just been stoned to death because he was prepared to, to speak the truth about the Messiah and what they had done. The um, believers were being dragged out of their houses and being put into into prison, and they were fleeing like refugees. They were. It was hard times. Hard times. When I look at our world at the moment, I don't think. I mean, personally, we're probably not. It's not all that hard, but it could be hard. I feel like we've got some crazies out there that are leading the place at the moment, that are pulling the strings and have got great weapons at their disposal. And. If they are anxious times, not necessarily hard times, but anxious times. We've just come through a global pandemic which is which has turned our worlds upside down really. It stopped us meeting together for two years. I think it's been very difficult for the church and very difficult for a lot of individuals. Especially if the ones who it's not good to be alone for large periods of time. I've got three points that I want to bring out this morning, just in my style. They made fun of me yesterday, but still the same. God uses hard times, number one. Number two, our accommodating God. And the third one, God's acceptance confirmed. So as I, as I said at the beginning, this was not an easy time for the, for the new church. Stephen had just been murdered for standing up and for speaking the truth. The early church was being attacked in Jerusalem by a very zealous person who doesn't take a backward step and thought he was doing the right thing for, for, for God. Christians were just fleeing. They were picking up whatever they had, whatever they could carry, and they were, they were refugees, and they were, and they were, they were running for their, for their lives. But as they were running, they were talking. You'd think they'd be quiet. They think that the smart thing would be just to keep your mouth and keep your head down. But they were, they were fleeing into other countries and they were talking about Jesus the Messiah and what people needed to do. 
and they were going to people who didn't necessarily like them. I mean, all the countries around them actually hated these people. They hated the, the, the young Jews and everything that they stood for. God uses hard times. I was reminded back to a time of my life when um, just after I got con converted, I was converted at the, about the age of 16. I went from a went to a youth group at St Mary's Baptist from about 13 to 16. And um, under the influence, well, because of the people who were running the youth group, Ross and Sue Lewis, Paul Woodcock, Michelle Wilkinson, they were people I used to go along with to youth group and with the full intent of being just as disruptive as I could be. But at the end of the day, because of different stuff that was happening in my life, I ended up going along to a church service at the invitation of Ross and Sue Lewis. And at midnight one that night after the church service in their car, I made a commitment. And it was a, it was a fantastic time, fantastic time, a time when all my peers became Christians. There was a people movement of about 30 people at that particular time who all made commitments. And we ended up, we filled the first couple of rows of St Mary's Baptist Church down on the left-hand side. We'd wander in and out for cigarette breaks halfway through. <laughs> the church was great, they just put up with us. They just put up with us. It was a very special time, a time when we'd go away weekends, we'd go surfing. We'd sit around the fire on the beach when you could have fires on the beach. And we would sing gospel songs and we'd just encourage each other and it was really good. But then came a time when my a lot of my mates um, decided that they wanted to move away from the faith for various reasons. Mainly because of what they wanted to participate in and, and it didn't really add up to what they who they confessed to be. So I still wanted to walk with these guys. Still, they were my mates. They'd been my mates since I was that high. I know I'm not much taller, but I'd been with them forever. You get the picture for my whole life. And um, anyway, because we were walking in different re different directions, one night at the drive-in it blew up. One of their girlfriends had heard that they were taking drugs and they blamed me for telling or their girlfriend or whatever, or their girlfriend's parents or whatever and they wanted to bash me up. Anyway, I ended up driving out of that driving that night and it started a very lonely time for me in my life because they would still gather about 100 metres from my house and they would still gather around a fire bucket and tell stories and all the rest of it and I would normally be there with them. But now I had to drive past and every time I drove past there was all sorts of abuse coming in my direction. But it was during that hard time that my faith grew, that it deepened, that I started to understand who God really was. And I made new friends, different friends. One of them was a, a mate from, um, from Tech, Keith Lestrell. And one night, we're, Pauline and I, we led Keith Lestrell to the Lord on her front doorstep. Wouldn't have happened. 
God uses hard times. He uses hard times in this passage. He spread the gospel out of Jerusalem through all the other countries that these, that these guys wandered. Another part that I find interesting in this um, in this passage is my second point, our accommodating God, is that the different people in the stories came to faith through different different ways. The first ones that Philip spoke to as he went into Samaria, they just they heard his story, they saw what he was doing, and they believed and they were baptized. And then you got this strange character called Simon. I'm not sure who he is. Is he good or is he bad? When I was reading the passage, I couldn't really work it out. He seemed bad and then he seemed good. And then he seemed bad again and then he seemed good again. It seems like he has this this rough, rough journey of um, of coming to faith. He's he sees he's coming to faith for all the wrong reasons. He sees he sees what Philip is doing, how he's healing these people, and he's got this magic that seems to be better than his magic, so he wants a hold of this magic. And then when the apostles come, Peter and John, and they pray over, the, over these new believers because they had been baptised and they had believed, but they hadn't received the Spirit. And he sees Peter and John pray over them, so I'm not sure what he saw when the Spirit came on them. There must have been something obvious, obviously. The only thing I can put it down to is they must have spoken in tongues. Tongues of fire. Showing that, this, that the Spirit is spreading to a new, a, a new people group. Well, he saw this as being, you know, give me, I'll give you some money. Let me be able to do this as well. Just gets it all wrong. But eventually gets there. He's a slow learner, but he eventually gets there. When I think back to my journey of coming to faith, you know, I felt like I was a, a little bit of a slow learner. I'd learned, I'd, I knew the story, but I didn't, I wanted to disprove the story. That was my objective for going to youth group for year after year after year, was to go there and be as disruptive as I could and to show them the errors of their ways. Ask them the hard questions. Show them that they're wrong. But then eventually, God puts stuff in my life that turns me around. Puts people there that just approach it differently and just turn me around. To eventually I want to accept this as being the truth. Pauline, I mean Pauline was a Christian when, from when she was born, I'm sure. Well she was a she was as far as I don't know I think she went forward at every open air campaign this presentation of Batlow that came through about every six months in what has happened in most country towns to, to get a ticket for the, for the next one to make sure that she was a Christian. But she had a crisis point. And for me, I believe that's when, when God really showed her that this is, this is for you, this is true. And that was, 
she had someone at church she'd, she'd fallen out with. Because she was struggling with for Pauline to fall out with anyone, I don't understand that. But she she went along to church that night and she hadn't spoken to this person for a while and she said, God, you got to do something tonight. He's got to speak to me tonight or I'm not coming back. And God did it. For some this guy came up to her after church and said, I don't know what it is, I don't know why, but I've got to speak to you tonight. I want you to think back to your conversion. All very different. We're all very different. Different journeys, different ways that we get there. But, but our God meets us there. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. And he brings you there. I want to tell you one more little story first on this same our accommodating God and that was when I was um, when I I was working for a contractor in St Mary's I was a, a, a tradesman to him and one of our contracts was at the CSI Railway Prospect and um, as part of going through my journey God put it on my heart to go to Bible College so I went to Bible College and I still worked for this this contractor one day a week and we're still working at the CSI Rail and there's this one scientist who was watching me. And when I finished my course, he came up to me and he said, Daryl, I don't know what you've got. I can see that, that God has done something in your life. I want you to teach me about it. Now that's, that freaked the life out of me. I'm a tradesman, an electrician. This is a scientist. What am I going to teach you? Anyway, I talked to, I talked to Richard at the time, and um, Richard advised me to take him through two ways to live. Or was it Christianity Explained? It was one of them. I can't even remember which one. But we spent like six or eight weeks, I went to his place on a Friday night, We'd have a cup of coffee in the kitchen. Sometimes he would include his family in the whole thing, bring, get his son to Come on, you need to hear this stuff too. And we'd go into his little office and we would go through the track. We would, we would talk through it. Christianity explained it must have been. I think it was the earlier one. And then when it came to the decision night, I arrived, we had coffee. We went in to, to his office as we normally do. And he said, oh, no need to do it tonight, I've already made the commitment. How good. He just meets them. It's if I could teach that guy anything. I couldn't teach him a thing. But our God just gave him what he needed to be able to believe. And it made sense to him. I find it um, an interesting, this part of the passage where they had believed and they had been baptised but they hadn't been, they hadn't been fully, um, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit in, in, in full. 
And I think it needs a little bit of background here. Who are the Samaritans? Who are the Samaritans? Well, from my little bit of research that I, that I did, I see that they, they come from the northern ten tribes of Israel. So there's been this split between the southern two tribes and the northern ten tribes. And there's been this argument over where is the most holy place on earth? Is it in St Mary's or is it in St Clair? Now, is it Jerusalem or is it Mount Gerizim? 2770. So they've had this argument going over centuries. And then Assyria has come down into the northern ten tribes, has gathered them up, has taken them away and has scattered them. They had this policy of when they captured people that they didn't keep them all together, that they took them and they scattered them right throughout the planet at the time. It was almost like, I've forgotten the word, but a, a, a type of trying to genocide, of trying to wipe these people out off the face of the planet. Well, these people have slowly gathered back and they gathered back in Samaria. They call it Samaria. So they've got this bad relationship which goes back a long, 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 long way. They hate each other. And they're brothers, but they hate each other. So it's like falling out with your family, you know, and, and the family relationships are very, very, very bad. So where does Philip go when he's, when he's kicked out of Jerusalem? He goes to this family member who they don't like. They've got the wrong idea about everything. And now he's communicating back to Jerusalem that they're believing, the Sumerians are believing. Well, they, they don't believe it. So they send out the heavyweights. Who's heavier than Peter and John? And Peter and John come out and then they, they, they see there they, they are believing. They have been baptised, but have they got the Holy Spirit? So they pray for them. And then the Holy Spirit comes on them. And I don't think there would be any more obvious way than the Holy Spirit coming on them in the gift of tongues. To show those who are slow at learning, Peter and John, that the gospel can even go to the Sumerians. That it is moving, that it is spreading. And you see that right throughout Acts. Whenever a new, tri a new people group is reached with the gospel, they speak in tongues but it shows that the, the gospel is actually moving, that the Holy Spirit is going to a, a, new, a new people group. I know um, I had a... The, my journey with, um, with tongues, I figured we got a bit of a Pentecostal influence in our family, and they were always teaching if you, the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. And I always thought, well, if I don't really want a little bit of the Spirit, I want the fullness of the Spirit. So it sent me on a journey. And it was a journey which ended up sending me along to Bible college, where I struggled through all sorts of issues, least of which was tongues. And I came out of, um, I came out of that journey just realising that God will give me what I need. The question is not whether I need to speak in tongues or not. The question is, God, where do you want me to serve? What do you want me to do? And then he will equip me with what I need, the gifts that I need to actually do his ministry effectively. 
Anyway, I just want to encourage all of us, I believe, looking ahead and listening to the news is probably what, not, what I shouldn't do at the moment, is that there are not good things in our future. It's where, as a, as a, as a globe, we're going to go, we're going into hard times unless something changes. But I want to leave you with the encouragement that our God uses hard times. And that he often uses hard times to get off, off, get us off, off our backside and just start doing stuff and just start prioritizing stuff. Because what becomes more important than anything else, especially if they're talking, if they're looking at dropping great big bombs on us or whatever, is the afterlife, is our faith. It's the most important thing that we have. They cannot take that from us. I just want to finish there. Thank you. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for, for the fact that you give us riches in places where it cannot be destroyed, it cannot be taken from us. You are a great God. Please encourage us in our faith. Please give us more courage. Please give us more strength and wisdom when it comes to just being able to communicate our faith to other people. I praise this Lord Jesus in your name. Amen.